Hey y'all, it's Brandon Adams. Want to let you know that today's show is pre-recorded. We only recorded on Thursday, so it's not dated or anything, except since we have recorded it, the news of Mark Richt and his Parkinson's disease diagnosis has come to light, and I didn't want this show to take place without mentioning that. You know, I think the idea of thoughts and prayers is somewhat corrupted. We say that so much, and we mean it when we say it, but we say it so much that it ends up feeling a little bit like a cliche, and so it probably loses its intended meaning. But in a situation like this, and I'm sure so many of you are right there with me, you feel the same way that I do, that it has dominated your thoughts since you heard about the diagnosis for Coach Rick. And truly, genuinely, he is in your prayers as he is in mine for good health and happiness and a chance to really enjoy this season of life. And certainly he'll be surrounded by loved ones as he goes through this. And just briefly here, if you don't mind, if we're honest, I think most of us would say we have a little bit of an interesting relationship with Coach Rick. Not that we know him necessarily personally. I've met him a few times, but but certainly we know his persona better than we know him as a person. I think most of us would probably say that. And listen, we like being obsessed with college football, obsessed with winning, the pursuit of championships, things like that, because in some cases it takes us away from things in our own life that we would prefer not to think about. But in the person of Mark Rick, we see somebody that always points us back to some of those things that we may not want to consider. The Coach Rick kind of stands as a beacon in some respects, reminding us that there are things more important than football. And listen, when some of those things are things that you don't want to consider, that can be a frustrating thing to sort of bump up against. But ultimately, those of us who've you know lived a little bit and a little older, I think we're left to say, Actually, it's really good to gain the knowledge and the wisdom that college football is a great thing to have as a part of your life, but it should only occupy a portion of your life, and there should always be things that that rank ahead of it in terms of the importance. And Mark Rick certainly seems to be someone who's had that figured out for a long time, and I think he stands as both an encourager and an instructor for all of us to figure out those things for ourselves too. I I am incredibly grateful for the fact that, you know, his story has been in my life and influenced my life. And I certainly hope for more chances to have him influence me in the years to come with how he lives very graciously and very gracefully in the midst of what is a, a pretty significant challenge here, but I know he'll take it full speed ahead as he's done everything else and we'll certainly be cheering for him as he does so so with that out of the way this is a fun edition of our show looking at some of the things that's gone on with UGA this week also a little bit of a close look at UGA recruiting Jeff Sintel stops by to see us here today too so let's have some fun I hope you're all getting ready for a wonderful fourth of July weekend And thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We've obviously talked a lot about quarterbacks over the course of the offseason, and with good reason. Quarterback is the most important position in the sport. It is the single most important position in maybe any team sport whatsoever. And the battle 
to emerge as the SEC's top quarterback will go a long way into t- towards determining who truly is the best team in the SEC here this season. One of the things that got me thinking about that was when we had Mr. College Football Tony Barnhart on our show on Thursday, and we were talking after we discussed the dogs a little bit. Actually, we had Tony on the show on Wednesday, I should say. When we After we talked about the dogs for a little bit, we started talking about the rest of the SEC for a moment, and I asked Tony what I do ask a lot of folks this time of year of outlook for Alabama. Is there a threat to Alabama in the SEC West? Does the Alabama train that has been running so efficiently in recent years, does that just keep right on running for this upcoming year? And Tony said something really interesting in that discussion. He said a lot of that is going to depend on how the newcomer at quarterback, brand new starter at quarterback, Bryce Young, steps up. Yes, he's a former five-star, but in addition to that, he's also an inexperienced former five-star, and he has a lot of pressure resting on his shoulders for the upcoming season. This is what Tony Barnard said about that on our show going back to Wednesday. I think it's going to uh, rely on Bryce Young, his ability to go out and make plays. Uh, people forget Bryce Young was either the number one or number two high school quarterback in the country uh, two years ago. And can he take a receiver like a John Mechie the third and make him into the kind of – I don't know that John Mechie is a, another Devontae Smith. I'm not I'm ready to say that, but he's a really good player, and they've got really good players there. But I think it all – listen, it really, Brandon – comes down to quarterback play mm-hmm. now the game has changed to the point you cannot be just average at quarterback and win championships you have got to be elite and uh, is Bryce Young ready to be an elite quarterback uh, we're going to find out let me give you a couple of caveats to the conversation that we're about to have that we're in the midst of right now there are a lot of people who when you say best quarterback in the SEC they want Matt Corral considered in that from a statistical standpoint, maybe even eventually from an NFL draft standpoint, he'll prove to be the top quarterback in the SEC. But as I've mentioned before, Ole Miss is over under total. Their projected season win total by Las Vegas and some of the online sports books is only seven and a half. A good season for the Rebels then would be an eight win season. I don't care how good of numbers that Corral puts up. If you're only playing on an eight win team, to me, you're fairly inconsequential in a conversation like this. So Corral may end up being the perfect embodiment of good stats, bad team type guy. That makes him fairly irrelevant in a discussion like this. There are also some people, and Connor Riley mentioned this on his uh, broadcast a little earlier this week, that want Emory Jones to consider into this discussion as well. The Florida quarterback. The honest truth is, my skepticism of Jones as a quarterback stems almost solely from some of the things that Dan Mullen has said about Jones going back to the end of Florida spring practice way back earlier in the spring. Now, listen, at times Dan's also gave him, given him some compliments for his arm strength and things like that. But, I mean, Dan Mullen has talked about wanting to have two quarterbacks who are ready to be the starter there for Florida, essentially talking about the idea of an Anthony Richardson or someone else that did not seem like a full vote of confidence, in my mind, for Emory Jones. So maybe Jones ends up being every bit as good as Kyle Trask was for Florida a year ago. But for now, on the basis of the relatively lukewarm praise that that Mullen threw Emory Jones way at the end of Florida spring practice, I think he is somewhat irrelevant in a discussion like this. It really does come down to, as Tony Barnhart said there, Bryce Young from Alabama, and I think it's fair to say most Georgia fans would obviously acknowledge this, that Georgia's JT Daniels in that discussion there too. And you have seen a slightly different flavor on which media entity seems to like which guy here this so far this offseason. For instance, Athlon Sports 
on its list of all SEC quarterbacks had Bryce Young rated ahead of JT Daniels. When Phil Steele did his list uh, on this same topic recently, he had JT Daniels rated ahead of Bryce Young. So you've seen inquiring minds kind of have a little bit different opinions on all of this. I did think it was interesting to see and hear Paul Feinbaum make an appearance with Mike Griffith on his On the Beat show going back to Monday. And with opinion maybe somewhat divided between Young and Daniels for the upcoming season, Paul Feinbaum weighed in in a very heavy, to a very heavy degree, in support of JT Daniels in this conversation on Monday. Let me let you hear a very clear statement from Paul Feinbaum in favor of JT Daniels. He just has the it factor. And, and to be a great quarterback, you have to have that. And I'm not here. I'm not, not going to spend a lot of time on Matt Corral or Bryce Young. I, I have no earthly idea if Bryce Young is going to be a great quarterback. I've, I had a caller the other day say he's going to be better than Tua Tunga Bailoa. I'm like, going, are you out of your mind? I mean, we're talking about one of the, the greatest quarterbacks in, in SEC history. He may be good. Uh, good for him, but but I think JT Daniel is, is. I don't think it's a question. I don't think it's. A, I don't even think it's debatable. He's the best quarterback in the SEC, and he's experienced too. I mean, this is not somebody who's just rolling out of bed. Uh, he's he's got a lot of experience. He's got he's had a lot of hard knocks, and he's in a really good place too, uh, with with a lot around him. He's not going to be uh, by himself in the in the backfield. So I think that's really interesting from Paul Feinbaum. For the clarity of the statement, the emphatic praise of Daniels in comparison to other guys for a very specific reason. As Feinbaum says, Daniels is experienced. He's played. We know how good he is. Bama fans may hope that Bryce Young is really good, but for now, because you haven't seen him to the same capacity, that is more hope than tangible substance in the case of Daniels. Full season starter at one point in time at USC. Obviously starter for four games for Georgia a year ago. You've just seen more from him. However, let me be fair and balanced here for a moment. While it is true that maybe Daniels has proven more individually up to this point than what Bryce Young has proved, if you're an Alabama fan, there's actually a different argument you can make. You may say, well, Daniels as a quarterback for now has proven more than Young, but if Young is going to be the starting quarterback for Alabama, that is a position, speaking generically here for a moment, that is a position that has proven a lot more than the Georgia quarterback position has, whether it be Mac Jones a year ago or Tua Tungo-Vailo before that or Jalen Hurts before that. There is a certain level of expectation for the Alabama quarterback spot right now that exceeds the expectation that exists for Georgia. And if Bryce Young is going to be the starting quarterback for Alabama, then he inherits the statistical whatever you want to call it uh you know basically track record you know proven track record that exists for the Alabama quarterback Bryce Young inherits all of that if he becomes the Alabama starter and that's uh, you know Alabama fans may believe that argument's true Georgia fans may believe their version of the argument's true but that's at least a case that you can make for Bryce Young that the Alabama quarterback spot whatever name is in that spot is a little bit of a proven commodity right now. So for the sake of conversation, let's assume they have a point when they say that. And for the sake of conversation, let's assume that Georgia fans have a point when they say, we've seen a whole heck of a lot more from Daniels thus far than we have Bryce Young, as Paul Fine just said. So ultimately, what decides the discussion from a preseason standpoint to the best that we can understand this, to the best that we can know, what truly determines who's going to be the best between JT Daniels and and Bryce Young? Is it Young playing in what to this point has been the better offense, or is it Daniels who up to this point has proven himself to be a more known commodity quarterback? Here's what I believe the answer to that question is. 
Ultimately, it's going to be decided outside of Daniels and outside of Young. This really comes down to to a question of coaching. In other words, can Todd Munkin going into year two as Georgia offensive coordinator, can he bridge the obvious gap that has existed both in terms of expectation and performance between the Alabama offense and the Georgia offense? And on the side of the discussion in Tuscaloosa for a moment, can Bill O'Brien step into the prodigious shoes left behind by Steve Sarkeesian? It seems obvious that he would because Alabama has had a track record of successful offensive coordinators, but sometimes what seems obvious in the preseason doesn't turn out to be true in the actual regular season. And I believe, and I've said this many times, that the job of O'Brien being as good as previous offensive coordinators at Alabama have been, including Sarkeesian, who may have been the best of the bunch last season in 2020, it is not a given that he gets that done. And if you're a Georgia fan, you want to think about like Star Wars terminology for a moment, that tiny little imperfection in the in the plans of the, the Death Star, that tiny little imperfection that you might have a chance to exploit and actually overtake Alabama, I don't think you have to look any further than to see this right here. Your continuity offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin bringing the same system back for another year, working with the same quarterback for a full year that he had for four games a year ago. That, if you're a Georgia fan, ought to be the area that you're looking to exploit. Who's the best quarterback between Bryce Young and JT Daniels? That question will be answered, I believe, by who has the best offensive coordinator. And Bill O'Brien may have been a former head coach with the Houston Texans, but Todd Munkin's got the advantage of having been in the SEC. That's an advantage that Georgia fans ought to hope their program's able to exploit this year. If they can, it means a big year for Daniels and a big year for the rest of the team probably as well. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and happy to have you with us as you get your Independence Day weekend started. Whether it's uh, on video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, or as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous DogNation.com. Really happy to have you with us for it. And, of course, uh, happy to have our friends at Kroger providing this to you as well. Kroger provides so much for us. They've kept our table stock with food for the last you know however many years and they're also doing great things not just to support their customers but to support their employees there as well and so many of you right now looking for a job maybe you're looking for that great employment experience that's what kroger can provide for you because it's more than just a paycheck it's a total rewards package that can include tuition reimbursement associate discounts all kinds of partner perks some really great incentives for you to take advantage of so make sure you check out kroger.com you can learn a lot more about that Kroger.com for a lot more on that. All right, so get ready to go around the doghouse here. Let me also remind you of a couple of things. So this show today is being pre-recorded. It's essentially the same show as always. We just recorded it Thursday afternoon instead of Friday morning live as we typically would. So hopefully if all is going well, I'm actually interacting in the comment section on both Facebook and YouTube with you this morning, just kind of chatting back and forth. We've never done this before. We thought we'd give that a try, and that's been really fun. At least my anticipation is it's going to be really fun. So we'll see if it actually does truly play out that way. I also want to briefly mention this, that we're in the midst of a rollout of our Dog Nation invasion for Charlotte for this upcoming uh, season opener against Clemson. We predicted it was going to be a huge response. It has been. The good news is it's not sold out yet. We still have some tailgate-only ticket options still left. We still have a few of our VIP opportunities left. For those of you that may have missed some shows this week, what this is is it's a 
unbelievable luxury tailgate experience there in Charlotte before the game against Clemson. I'm talking about food and beverage and TVs all set up. It's a kind of a private uh, type deal, you know, ticketed event that you need to be a part of. It, we've done these before. They've been incredibly fun. This one, I believe, is going to be the biggest that we've done. And space is running out fast on this. Also for our VIP, which in addition to the great tailgate experience also includes kind of a chartered bus leaving from Atlanta on Saturday. The bus fully stocked on the way down, if you get my drift on that. Everybody having a good time on the bus going to the tailgate. Then accommodations in Charlotte there that night, spending the night in Charlotte before we come back on the bus back to Atlanta there on Sunday. So these opportunities are going fast. This is going to be one of the most fun things we've done here at Dog Nation in quite some time. I'm still very proud of my Dog Nation Invasion logo. I love the Dog Nation NASCAR. I just think that looks really cool in a uh, town, Charlotte, that's known for the NASCAR Hall of Fame and all the cool stuff associated with that. Big thanks to everybody who's made this possible for us. The Finnish Laundering, Meriwether and Tharp, Kroger, R.S. Andrews. Huge thanks to everybody for making this a really fun thing. Please go to dognation.com. Get these before you're gone. Today is Friday. That means we've got a full weekend. Monday is the observance of the Independence Holiday, Independence Day holiday. So we won't be here for Fourth of July Day, which is actually the fifth of July uh, this year. So by the time I talk to you again on Tuesday, who knows how many of these are left? Don't wait until Tuesday in the hopes that you get these, because I can make no promises that many days in the future. Just make sure you check that out here uh, today, so you can have a chance to take advantage of that before it is all gone. And I trust that's exactly what you will do. All right, before I get Jeff Sintel and we do. On the road with him, assisted by AAA. Let me go around the doghouse here for a moment. And one of the controversial things from a little earlier this week was the Sporting News putting out its list of the top coaches in college football, one through 130. And Georgia's coach Kirby Smart ranked seventh on that list. Now, for someone who's not an incredibly plugged in observer, seventh out of 130 doesn't seem too bad. But for some Georgia fans, there was some frustration about what they thought in their mind was smart rated too low, especially since that he's done really well against the other coaches who were in the top 10 on that list, including guys ahead of him like Jimbo Fisher from Texas A&M, Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, Brian Kelly from Notre Dame twice. Smart had beaten head to head. And some Georgia fans simply thought that was a disregarding of the smart resume to have him rated so low. So I asked and pointed that out to Bill Bender from the Sporting News, the, art, the, the author of that article. I took Georgia fan grievances straight to him on SEC Country Live here this week, and this is what Bill Bender had to say about that. That's uh, fair, yeah, and that's the first thing I told our staff. I said they're going to bring up the two Notre Dame games with BK. Um, you know, with Kelly, I mean, Kelly's been to the playoffs twice and had two undefeated seasons. They played two close games, but Kirby won them. I think... Uh, you know, Oklahoma's a tough one because Oklahoma in their conference, they've won their conference every year under Lincoln Riley. They're producing Heisman candidates at quarterback every single season. And Georgia, we always talk about, is this the right quarterback for Georgia? I think that's a big difference. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Kirby's recruiting at an elite level. Um, he's won big. I think the biggest thing with his ranking is the next part is how do you get into that number three spot? you got to win one. And Jimbo's won one. So let me give you two things that I think that Bill Bender points out there that are probably fair, and I'll give you one thing that sticks in my craw a little bit as somewhat unfair in the evaluation of Kirby Smart. One of the things you hear Bill Bender from the Sporting News, the guy who ranked Kirby Smart seventh among coaches earlier this week, he says, hey, there's persistent questions about Kirby Smart and his quarterbacks. 
If you want to ding smart for that, I think you have some room to do that. If you want to say, hey, that's one of the things that's holding Kirby Smart back, the full offensive evolution hasn't taken place. We mentioned that on the show this week. That's a narrative that persists about Smart. Smart's actually fairly good at squashing narratives. He may eventually squash that narrative. Up until this point in time, he hasn't done that. If you want to make that case, I think you have some room to be able to do that. The other thing that Bill Bender mentions is when it comes to the fact that the number three coach on this list, Texas A&M's Jimbo Fisher, has won a national championship. Smart can't be third behind a Nick Saban and Dabo Swinney until he wins a national title. That seems fine. Georgia fans want to win a national title anyway. If that's what it's going to take to move Smart up on a list like this, then that's at least an established criteria. Win a national championship, you can be among the top three coaches in the sport. That's at least a fair argument, whether you agree or not. The one aspect of this that I have a hard time with, though, and you just heard Bill Bender mention this, is that the reasoning for putting Brian Kelly ahead of Kirby Smart, despite the fact that Smart's beaten Kelly twice, is that Brian Kelly's been to the playoff twice. The same thing for for Lincoln Riley, who... Uh, Bill Bender says wins the Big 12 each and every year, the, you know, the, uh, a guy that's dominated that conference. But this really circles back to something we talk about all the time. It seems to me that Riley and, and, and Kelly are being favorably evaluated and Kirby Smart is being, is being harshly evaluated because Smart is in the SEC where the path to the playoff is not nearly as easy. If Notre Dame was in the SEC, do you think they would have made the playoff in the uh, 2018 and 2020? No, it would have been a lot harder for them to be able to do that. The same thing for Oklahoma there as well. We can say with pretty full confidence this when it comes to Oklahoma because we've seen them lose to SEC teams in the playoff 2017, 2018, and 2019. So this is an example that we talk about that in terms of how good a coach is smart, part of this is being graded on a pretty tough curve just given the fact that he's in the SEC where the path to playoff is a lot more difficult. So I'll give Bill Bender a lot of credit. I thought it was a good conversation. He argued his points, I thought, pretty articulately. I agree with some, don't agree with others, but I certainly appreciate him having the debate there on SEC Country Live a little earlier this week. All right, busy edition for us, Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Hope you're all getting ready to enjoy a great 4th of July here this weekend. And it's also a busy time for UGA recruiting there as well. So a lot for us to cover on all of that. We'll get ready to do it as we go on the road with Jeff Sintel, assisted by AAA. Glad to have you with us. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And we'll say hello to Jeff Sintel here as we go on the road with him, assisted by AAA. It is a 4th of July weekend for many, but the work of a recruiting reporter does not stop. Still a lot going on when it comes to UGA and its pursuit of another elite class here for 2022 including a decision day upcoming in the next couple of days for four-star wide receiver Kojo Antwee. Jeff I have joked with our audience and and sometimes done more than joke that you listen to the online chatter things like that it doesn't seem great for the dogs with Antwee right now it seems like there may be a couple of schools that could potentially be rated higher than Antwee on this is there something you can do to make me feel differently about that is UGA more in this than I'm currently giving them credit for <laughs> well, uh, first of all, happy Friday to everybody. But I don't know, man. I got I got to get to know the new brand and in the age of the transfer portal. Or is it a good thing for any school to finish first, second, or third in the race here for some of these prospects? Um, you know, the last time I mean, I guess the last time I spoke to him, there were really there were there were three schools that really seemed like they were in it for Kojo Antwi. 
Um, I, you know, I think everybody, as we look to the decision, he's going to make his decision known on Monday. There will not be a ceremony or an event to go to. Kojo's actually out of town. It's his mother's birthday. He's honoring his mother on her, on her birthday. Um, so he'll, he'll just release the decision at around 6 p.m. on Monday uh, via social media. Yeah, I mean, so you look at the couple of schools that are in here on this. I mean, obviously A&M, there's a little bit of a, you know, family tie, more than a little bit of a family tie. There is a family tie with a sibling living in Texas. That's not a, a program, by the way, under Jimbo Fisher that exactly dominated when it comes to wide receiver play. Ohio State is a little bit different. Brian Hartline, a well-respected coach. This is a program that's gotten big play out of its receivers, even if not every receiver that's come through the program has gotten as many touches as he wanted. The position group overall has certainly performed well. To me, it's easy to interpret from that. If he's And in the interview that you did with Antwi recently, he spoke very highly of Ohio State in that discussion. You know, I take this as another elite receiver that still seems to have some doubts about what the Georgia offense can do for him. Is that your read on this as well? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things I think Georgia's, I think Georgia's best case for Kojo Antwi is not going to happen in a meeting room or is not going to happen up on the board. I think, uh, regardless of not whether it's Georgia on Monday, uh, I think the best case for Kojo with Georgia especially the long haul, is to put up some prolific numbers. I think, I think he wants to see it rather than hear about it or believe about, believe about it or be led to think that's a certainty. Um, you know, when I was talking to him, Brandon, one of the things I do in this business is I really, I really picked up, you know, whether it's experience or reps, a good way to read people. And there's really two ways that I kind of read Kojo. One of them is that um, he sincerely is, is feeling strong about a couple of schools. And the other one is that he could be trying, you know, to put up a cloaking device and, you know, subterfuge around his decision because he's not talking to a lot of folks. I think there, there, it's out there that he's, you know, working on different multiple endings than when he filmed uh, his commitment video actually uh, a few days ago. Uh, so, you know, for Kojo, I think the wide receiver recruiting is kind of always centered around him, especially uh, maybe March, April. Uh, I think one of the things that a lot of people, when they look at Kojo, he's really more of um, more of that speedster uh, type than a lot of folks. A lot of folks really even knew, especially a lot of those in-person evaluations with Kojo and we really, really dialed in maybe what type of ceiling, what type of player he can be. I mean, he's a brilliant talent. He's got great ball skills, very fast. I think he probably had in my mind. One of the two best college, one of the two best highlights from a high school player I saw all last season. Uh, but there's the name um, that's kind of been around for a while, and that's something that folks have gotten to read about on the site. Uh, it's Andre Green Jr. out of Richmond, Virginia. And man, Brandon, let me tell you, there is a lot to like about that young man. Yeah, that's great to hear. And one of those names I'm sure will be pivoting towards a lot in the time to come. One of Antwi's contemporaries here in Georgia, though, is the 2022 tight end Oscar Delp. And boy, it's been interesting to see the social media chatter on him over the course of the last 24 hours or so. So much of this coming from Georgia players themselves. John Fitzpatrick, Jordan Davis, and others giving you that hashtag Delp is a dog tweet. Of course, Oscar's also been taking a lot of visits as of late. Recently in South Carolina, I believe. He's been also to Florida, I guess, there as well. He's had a lot of visits that he's taken. Interesting to see Georgia players themselves now kind of at the forefront 
uh, at least on social media when it comes to Delp's recruitment, clearly indicating what a big priority Oscar is for this 2022 class. Yeah, Brendan, let me, let, me, let me make sure I get a, a level set here. Brendan, have you tweeted Delp as a dog yet? Because I think everybody that has a Georgia polo shirt within 45 miles of Athens has probably done that by now. I think the I think it goes, I think I've seen Logan Johnson, Brett Scyther, Ryland Goaty, Jordan Davis, John Fitzpatrick. I think, I think it goes on and on and on with a lot of guys that are kind of, and you know, this is kind of next level social media. I think, you know, give South Carolina credit. They had a, we want Oscar Delp on a marquee sign, kind of what, um, kind of what it would be like in the middle of Athens, uh, at the Georgia Theater. They had it at five points. And then they had a pretty cool edit where it was like Delp Wanted, where they, they took a play on his name. Everybody loves wordplay around here, around yeah. these parts, especially in my book. Especially in my book. But now uh, I think you see Georgia amplify and bring maybe even some more big guns into the fray with Oscar Delp. The, the thing you're hearing with Oscar kind of behind the scenes is that um, that September 30th day to honor his mother on her birthday, so much a big fan of guys that do that. I don't know if that's going to be uh, – that finish line is going to stick. I think he's going to maybe try and uh, – he still wants to take visits before a decision, uh, but I think this month of July will give him a lot to think about in terms of does he really want to extend things out all the way to October. I have to admit the Delp wanted thing is pretty clever. I, I'll give South Carolina a little bit of credit for that. That's not a bad play on words right there. I'll give him some credit. It is. Simple, punchy, clever. I mean, you can do a lot with that. Um, and it's uh, certainly – it seems like Georgia must have noticed because the timing of the rollout of Georgia's, uh, if this was a debate or this was a retort, I think, I think Georgia brought, brought, a lot of, uh, brought a lot of firepower to that conversation. Another thing, speaking of recent conversations that have kind of erupted, boy, a lot seems to be out there right now with Danny Dennis Sutton, who at one point in time I think you would have thought, you know, maybe I don't want to say Penn State lean necessarily, but Penn State a big factor in his uh, recruitment. But now – it seems like there's been increased chatter for George and Dennis Sutton here for a moment, and this is a very intriguing prospect. And I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about how you know for a 250 pound defensive lineman type guy, what the position fit is at a place like George, and also just how valuable he potentially would be. Because it seems like there's some there's some growing intrigue about maybe a guy like this truly landing at UGA. What can you tell us about all of that? Well, right, and uh, I'm sure, Brandon, you saw the fact that his head coach just came and made a visit to Georgia as well and checked yeah. out everything. I think he even tweeted about enjoying some Southern hospitality. So, so, so right, Brandon, for me, I think this is – I'm going to use the phrase normalcy. Um, and this is a situation where I'm sure Nittany Lion Nation is probably thinking, you know, if we could keep our prize prospects and alpha targets – away from seeing what else is out there and seeing, you know, what else every other school has to offer. You know, I think DDS, and it would be such a great, such a great nickname and moniker for Georgia fans. I know you personally, you could, you could get, you could get, you know, flashbacks of Jake, Jake the Snake Roberts and DDTs when oh, you, yeah. you've got DDS, DDS coming across the edge to sack a Gator quarterback. But I, he looked around, Brandon, and I gave, I think the chance for him to see both Alabama and Georgia, along with kind of the, the school he's always known and felt most comfortable with in Penn State, I think that visit really opened his eyes to Georgia and the possibilities of kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of leaving the decision that he kind of felt 
maybe what's trending for a long time, especially during the pandemic. And I think Georgia's got a real shot at DDS. And I think he's going to be across. I mean, look at his body type. Look the way he works. I love that tweet where he said that he, he he's going to work to be the best player in college football one day. And, man, I, I think, Brandon, you'd be happy if he just ended up the best player in the SEC or the best player on the Georgia roster, um, much less the best player in college football. But I think he's a cross between Aziz Ojolari and maybe Trayvon Walker because he's already you know, got the size. He's the number one uh, strong side defensive end on rivals. I think he's a top 50, 60 prospect on a composite. Um, he's a guy that's going to give Georgia a lot of options, especially as they look to replenish with, you know, guys like DDS and Anai White and CJ Madden. You know, as Georgia tries to get a couple of outside linebacker edge guys in this class. I'm embarrassed to say this, but when you predicted that mentioning DDS would get me thinking about a wrestler, that you mentioned Jake the Snake Roberts. Unfortunately, I was thinking about a wrestler, but it was a different wrestler, or DDS, a common abbreviation for dentistry. I was thinking about Isaac Yankum, the former. Uh, <laughs> wrestling dentist from the WWF of the 1990s. So I was thinking about a, a wrestler for DDS, but not the DDT of Jake Roberts. More Isaac Gankum there on that. So uh, I guess I, I am nothing if not predictable. I want to ask you about George's latest commit here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, let me remind you that we are on the road, assisted by uh, uh, AAA with Jeff Sintel. Many of you on the road this weekend there as well. Keep AAA in mind for that. Become a AAA member. Take advantage of all their legendary roadside assistance, but also, keep AAA in mind there as well for auto insurance. When you think AAA, I want you to think auto insurance beyond just the roadside assistance, auto insurance there as well. Those who switch and save with AAA save on average $529. So the website to check out is aaa.com slash auto insurance. That's AAA.com auto insurance. Make sure you check that out here today. Uh, Jeff, Georgia does pick up a recruit within the last week, Ja'Cory Thomas, a very interesting, I would call him fast-rising prospect, a four-star athlete. Tell us a little bit about what Thomas brings to the table for UGA. Well, first of all, Brandon, uh, you know, he was hosted by Lewis Seen, and I guess the quick player parallel here is a, a, a striking-type defender, that could play at maybe a couple of spots in the secondary at a high level. Um, that's Ja'Cory Thomas. You know, one of the things he's regarded in the in the Orlando area, that's 8A football and big boy football in Florida, is he's probably the best uh, all-around football player in Central Florida in this class because he plays offense, he plays defense, very physical in the run game. But here's some intrigue about Ja'Cory that I find fascinating, and I kind of knew we were going to get stories like this, when I talked to Jacory, and you'll you'll like Brandon that that he was a silent commitment for about maybe a little two weeks plus before he revealed his decision um, about about seven days ago from the time we're on the air here. But um, so so before to that, Brandon, I asked him. I was like, "All right, man, where did you think you were going on May 25th?" And he's like, "Well." He said, I wanted to camp, I wanted to market myself and show everybody what I could do, but about that time he was thinking either Kansas State, Iowa State, or Nebraska. And first of all, if we've got any Cornhusker fans listening on the show right now, I'm sorry, but I don't think that's a good sign when Nebraska <laughs> is lumped in with those, with those two schools uh, in terms of a terrific out-of-state uh, athlete. But, and then he visits Georgia, I think visits Georgia on the 3rd, uh, and this was a whoa, Nelly, uh, shout out to the late, great Keith Jackson um, type workout where uh, 
basically they wanted to see him. They kind of interrupted his photo shoot because they wanted him to meet Kirby, get the offer extended, and start things going. And then he came back that weekend, that first weekend. I believe I believe it was his second weekend, not the first weekend, uh, for his official visit. And really, Brandon by then and around the right around the you know the eleventh, twelfth of June, his decision was done. Uh, he did visit a couple more schools. His parents are both Florida State alums, but he just loved Georgia. He loved Georgia. He told me from the time he worked out, he feels that he's a, the same type of player. He feels he's same. He's kind of wired the same way personality-wise, as Lewis seen, not just on the football field. And he, was, he kind of told me if this place is good enough for Lewis with everything he's feeling, then it's going to be good enough for him. He's shut down. He's not taking any other visits. This is a Georgia Bulldog. And I would look for him to be that guy that you think, is he going to be that, uh, that safety back there that's going to come down in the box and lay the wood like Lewis seen? Yeah, probably eventually. But I think early on, He's going to be that ideal, like, nickel hybrid star guy for Georgia. And this is a guy that, you know, not as it just this little rapid things escalated quickly uh, recruiting story, but, but this is a guy that we knew we were going to get coming out of the pandemic, a guy that hadn't been seen, a guy when Georgia had a chance to see a lot of guys in the month of June. That's who they liked. And, you know, this is not a, a three-star raw diamond story either. I mean, you look at the films, your Corey Thomas is a player. He does it in the highest levels of Florida high school football. And he's also a guy that's a four-star athlete, regardless of that. So you're talking about, even though uh, I think he's the highest, excuse me, he's the lowest rated guy in Georgia's class out of the four stars outside of the punter right now. Um, he's still a top 300 prospect. And it is a really great fit. And when I tell you, he really went out of the gate too, starting to recruit for Georgia. Uh, even before he made that public commitment. It was interesting to see in a story that you had at dognation.com about another tight end, Pierce Sperlin, a 2023 tight end. In this particular case, uh, a little bit of insight from him because he has a relationship with Arch Manning about how Manning's visit went to UGA. Some of us <laughs> sort of, you know, addicted to social media may have seen some photos that showed up of Manning at a restaurant with some Georgia coaches and looked like everybody's having a good time there and Pierce Sperlin seemed to confirm that that as you would expect the visit for Manning to Georgia seemed to go about as well as it can I don't think the Manning recruitment's gotten all that serious as of yet but in these kind of early days here it sounds like Pierce Sperlin could confirm to you that the Arch Manning visit went pretty well yeah those guys are good buddies and First of all, I'm going to say thank you to Dog Nation because I, I tell you, we've reached the point where, you know, and uh, I guess if, if I was the guy that was chasing clicks everywhere, I must have gotten four or five pictures of people that saw Manning out and about. I think maybe those were some of the ones that you saw on social media or yeah. on your Instagram feeds or Facebook posts or whatever. But um, I, I almost knew what uh, – you almost kind of knew what he was having for dinner and what the seating chart was on a couple of those visits when Arch Manning was about town. But, uh, of course, that visit's going to go well. I think it would be news for us if a recruit said, you know, Georgia was just okay. That visit was just okay. I mean, I got time with everybody. I did the photo shoot. But it was just kind of okay. I don't think that's possible the way Georgia's built and designed right now. Um, the thing with, with Arch, and I hope people, you know, I hope people look past the last name and the ranking. I got to think that at least at least something here 
in the marketing here is because of that last name and all the interest he'll generate. Um, you see some people out there that are hot take artists saying that this would, would be the most hyped recruit in all of co- college football recruiting history. I, I'm not going to go that far. I mean, we've been through a lot of really hyped recruits uh, so far. Uh, but you watch him, you watch that film, which is, I think is the most important. And uh, I, th- I think Arch really stands tall in the pocket. Arch really has a lot of, you know, that big body, that Trevor Lawrence, guy that looks like a statue, guy that just looks like a huge pillar out there. But he can move now. I think statue is the wrong descriptor for me to use that. But, man, when he sits up in that pocket, it looks like it looks like he's sitting there with a, you know, a 20-foot-tall view of the entire field. Jeff, incredible stuff. Thanks for being here on the road, assisted by AAA. Appreciate that. I know you'll have a lot of great recruiting stuff coming up in the days ahead, including reaction one way or another for whatever Kojo and Tweed decide. So I'll look forward to reading that and, of course, a lot more after that. Beyond that, the rest of the summer there as well. Thanks for being here on the road, assisted by AAA. Happy 4th of July to you. Hope you have plenty of fireworks and good food and everything else, and we'll look forward to chatting very soon. Yeah, guys, stay safe, have fun, get out on the water if you can, and God bless America this weekend, guys. Everybody have a good one. Love it, Jeff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So I'd like to point out that we do have some standards around here that um, as much as I love rumors and chatter and, you know, the way in which social media gives us insight into the recruiting world, there is something that didn't seem quite right to me about showing a photo on the show that Arch Manning, Kirby Smart, Matt Luke, uh, the rest of the Manning family, Todd Monk, and the fact they didn't know they were being photographed. Something about showing that on the uh, show felt a little bit wrong, so we did not do that. So I'd like to just point out that we do have you know some standards we adhere to around here. We're not going to do ambush photos on air, but uh, it was certainly interesting to be able to, to see that, and I'm, I guess... In a roundabout way, I'm glad to know they're out there, even if we're not going to show those on air. But interesting to hear Pierce Sperlin weighing in on how the visit for Arch Manning to UGA did go a few days ago. We're going to get into our SEC through here in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind you that for many of you, a memorial, excuse me, uh, not Memorial Day weekend, that was back in May, a 4th of July weekend means a packed cooler full of ice, also full of beverages. The beverage that you need, though, for that 4th of July celebration here this year the finished long drink it comes ready to drink right out of the can it looks like a beer but it's not a beer it is a mixed cocktail that all you got to do is pop the top you can pour it in a glass or you can drink it straight from the can it tastes great whether it's the cranberry version or the traditional it was a little bit more of a citrus flavor a strong liquor kick for both of that there's even a long drink uh you know strong if you want uh get involved with that there as well it's eight and a half percent alcohol by volume there's a long drink zero there as well this has been popular in like finland since the 1950s it was actually first introduced when the summer games were in helsinki way back then and it's been popular in finland ever since then it's been in america now for a couple of years first introduced i want to say in new york city maybe like 2018 or so now it's in georgia in fact if you go to the longdrink.com you can find out where it is around you you better believe that when i'm at the pool this weekend which is what i'm hoping to be able to do a lot of assuming the weather will cooperate i want to have the finished long drink with me for that it looks good in the can it tastes good coming out of the can uh when you kind of dig through the ice there in the cooler and pull it out man it is is a great, great treat, so make sure you enjoy that as you head towards your 4th of July weekend. 
All right, SEC through here for a moment. Stop me if you've heard this before. Tennessee player reportedly in the transfer portal. This time it's it's uh, it's Daryl Milton, a defensive uh, lineman from the program. This is fresh off Greg Emerson the other day and 10,000 guys before that. I'm telling you right now, y'all, be very, very careful. Of course, Georgia fans love it. They want as much of it as they can get. But to the errant random Vols fan who may have stumbled into this show here today, be very careful with your team. Uh, there is a very good chance that Tennessee is awful. We talked to Tony Barnhart about this on Wednesday. He said, "You better hope that if you're Tennessee, you better hope you beat South Carolina or maybe Vanderbilt. And that's true. And I'm not quite so sure I could guarantee that game against South Carolina for Tennessee at the moment. I think there is a chance that Tennessee is as bad as it gets. And it could be a very tough year for a guy like Josh Heupel, who does not have a lot of experience, does not have uh, you know, a lot to fall back on from his coaching career. And he has a very depleted roster there in Knoxville. We are obviously in the start of the name image likeness era. With that in mind, I saw an interesting tweet the other day from Clay Travis. And, uh, you know, tra- Travis is not everybody's cup of tea. This is, you know, not necessarily related to his typical content. He just was mentioning how in a name image likeness world, that what what is the role for the NCAA anymore? What, what Clay said, I don't completely agree with this, but what Clay said was, in the past, the NCAA's sole responsibility was to just keep players from getting improper benefits. But now a lot of the improper benefit stuff has been legislated out of the games by the new name image likeness rule. I think that's probably an oversimplification of the situation, but I think the question is fair to ask, though. Like, what is the NCAA supposed to be now that players can make money on outside interests, their own out their, their their endorsement potential. What is the role of the NCAA supposed to be in all of this now? And you know, listen, I still think there is a a way to fight for the things the NCAA is supposedly interested in caring about if it's willing to do so. My problem with the NCAA has kind of always been that the world of amateurism, college sports as it has been, has worked for thousands and thousands of people for years and years and years decades more than a century about a century and a half in college football and it's still a system worth defending my issue with the ncaa is is they're just too cowardly to defend it and that's all it comes down to is is the moment they feel like that that the wave of social media opinion mob if you want to call it that is against them then they you know lose all the base in their voice whatsoever to fight for their cause whatsoever you may be losing the moment losing in court losing in the world of the public opinion but that doesn't mean you stop fighting for the things you're supposed to believe in the honest truth, though, is is that while the mission of the NCAA, I believe, is worth believing in, there's no evidence that the people at the top of the NCAA food chain actually believe it. And that, I do believe, is a, a little bit of a problem. Uh, one more thing here. Uh, we're pre-recording this on a Thursday. It's airing on a Friday. As I'm recording this, one of the hot topics around college football today is a previous statement from former Clem- – or not former, he's still currently <laughs> – current Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney about how the moment players start getting paid is the day he quits or whatever it was that he said and everybody's dunking on Dabo about that I mean listen is that a quote that looks a little silly now that you're in the name image likeness world maybe so a little bit but the one thing you can't say about Dabo and listen there are a lot of Georgia fans who want me to trash Dabo because that's who Georgia plays to start this upcoming season and obviously you know, one of Georgia's chief competitors for those rare, scarce playoff spots. There are a lot of Georgia fans that don't like Dabo and want to, you know, have him dragged through the mud here. But but I'm only going to be willing to do that to a degree because maybe Dabo looks like a hypocrite on the base of this statement alone. 
But if I said before that the NCAA is disingenuous, the people at the top of that food chain, maybe they don't quite believe in in uh, what it is they're selling, what they're supposed to be for. They're simply only interested in self-preservation. I truly don't think you can say that about Dabo Sweeney. You may not agree with what he believes, but I don't think you can deny that Dabo himself is a true believer in his role as a coach, the impact he makes on players, the system that's been in place being good for the players that comes into his program. I mean, listen, there is a way in which you can look at what goes on at Clemson you know, with Dabo Swinney in particular, and I'm going to get in trouble by saying this, but you know the fact that they don't really play a lot of the recruiting games that other programs play and they don't do some of the same things other programs do, there's a way to kind of – be somewhat admiring of that is is that an unfair thing to be able to say that that you can disagree with Dabo you can root against Dabo clearly I view him as a rival to my favorite team but you can't say that Dabo's not living out his own ethic here that he Dabo's living out his own belief system here a lot of folks seem to disagree with that uh but Dabo himself is at least trying to be true to himself even if he kind of got caught with a little bit of a hypocritical statement here We'll make that your SEC through. We'll get ready to wrap up for a Friday and heading into a holiday weekend. Hope all of you enjoy it. And, of course, no show for us on Monday in observance of the holiday. We'll be back live again on Tuesday. A little bit different version of our Golden Shoe here today. A lot of you had sent this to me and wanted me to make mention of it in the show. We've actually mentioned it on both cooldowns on both video and podcast as of late. Uh, but I wanted to mention the regular show there as well. A former UGA football staffer and a very big Georgia football fan, uh, uh, Ray Fulcher, just uh, recently uh, inducted the Grand Ole Opry, performing there, got some new music out. His song about, you know, uh, getting a voicemail from his dad and I love you, son, go dogs. Very meaningful song to me. Many of you feel the same way. Uh, great to see him there at the uh, Grand Ole Opry. Uh, a great job for a big Georgia fan, former UGA staffer and a country music star on the rise here. Great to see that. Gator Hater Countdown as we say goodbye to you. Have 120 days. We'll see you back here on Tuesday. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Talk to you then, everybody. And on video and podcast here, we'll do this combined together for our R.S. Andrews Cooldown. So no comments for us today, although I have been taking comments on video throughout the show on both Facebook and YouTube. So I'm going to get ready to say goodbye to you, let you enjoy a holiday weekend. I'll remind you that R.S. Andrews, one that you should check out for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. Uh, you got some sort of water issue or electrical issue uh, here this weekend. Don't let that ruin your holiday weekend. Just reach out to them, rsandrews.com. They'll get you fixed up. They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. That's why they've been delivering smiles for as long as they've been delivering them. I love this weekend. I love Fourth of July. I like the patriotic music. I like, you know, Ray Charles singing America the Beautiful. I like James Brown singing uh, <laughs> living in America. I just like all that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, I, I, I always have. I always will. I like fireworks. I don't like knuckleheads in my neighborhood shooting off fireworks, but I like uh, I like sanctioned professional firework displays. I did see the thing in L.A. the other day where they confiscated a bunch of uh, contraband fireworks and ended up you know, creating their own explosion. You just got to be careful with the, with the pyrotechnics this time of year. But nonetheless... Good food, good friends, good times, fireworks, everything else. It's a wonderful, wonderful way to celebrate our nation's birthday. So hope you enjoy doing that. 
Thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews Cooldown and Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Enjoy it. We're back again on Tuesday. No show Monday. Check out DogNation.com for your Dog Nation Invasion tickets before they are gone. That's not hyperbole. I do really mean that. They're going to be gone soon. Maybe not by Tuesday, but certainly pretty soon after that. There's a chance we do a waiting list. But uh, let's see how all of that goes. I'm obviously going to push for as many of us to be there as we possibly can. Nonetheless, y'all have a great weekend. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday, everybody.